To Be Continued, a fanboy podcast. You can check us out at To Be Continued, a fanboy Please also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can also listen to us on our various platforms on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. To Be Continued is an adult podcast for adults by adults. We may talk about superheroes, sci-fi, comic books, and all sorts of similar crap like that, but we may use adult and frank language when we do so. This is not a podcast for kids, brothers and sisters. Enjoy. And we're back. This is to be continued a fanboy podcast, covering your fanboy passions. You're not going to learn anything, but if you stick around, you just might have some fun. And we're going to have some fun today because we are going to be covering uh, a lot of topics. Uh, We've been away for a little bit, so a lot of stuff is piled up. We have an unfortunate uh, celebrity death to get to. We have the finish of the Andor series on Disney Plus and uh, Wakanda Forever, the Black Panther sequel. And uh, and uh, some of you are 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 maybe still digesting turkeys from last week. Um, and uh, Sarlax. What is <laughs> still digest? Like, again, I know you go into a coma. <laughs> But it's like, uh, hey, how's Steve going? Oh, no, he's still digesting that turkey. That was four days ago. <laughs> it's December. Turkey Day dinner. <laughs> to be continued, the fanboy podcast. But, uh, yes, you were saying people, you know, uh, they may still be in a turkey coma. Okay. Uh, I, You know, we're just coming out of this. Uh, by the way, h- hello, guys. I'm Edward Ding here. And here at the illustrious Pancakes is the video Video capable wing of Pancake, Pancake Studios. Studios. So uh, we'll see how uh, this test goes. Uh, it's going great right now. It's going great, you know. Uh, so now, like I said, we have a, a one like really big bummer to get to, and that is the fact that you know, uh, in between our shows, Kevin Conroy, the voice of uh, Batman, the animated series, starting in 1982, starting you know doing Batman then and. For a host, a whole generation, then continuing that role through other animated uh, versions, but also, hey, did you play a Batman game the last 20 years? I did. You probably heard Kevin Conroy's voice as Batman. He was Batman, uh, as I always like to say. I always like to say there was an issue of Wizard Magazine. They're going through all of the performers who had done Batman. And what do they do? They get, you know, they they like list their pros and cons. So like, this is why he's Batman. This is why he's not blah, blah. They got to Conroy and they only had one thing to say. He is Batman. Next question. Uh, and there's an account uh, where, you know, he's, he's, this, I think it was, yeah, I think that you can get this uh, Yeah, he's, he's talking about his. Uh, and uh, 9-11, it was yeah. post 9-11. And, uh, you know, he's there with uh, some first responders and, um, and. You know, I think from across the room, he yells, I'm the knight. I'm well, yeah, they, yeah, they, they, I they, am Batman. And, and he gets like, a, like an you know, applause from that, which goes to show you how recognizable he was. Right. If, uh, for a lot of people, no one knows what he looks like, you know, and and people have said this over and over. Like, no one knows. Yeah, any Juilliard trained actor, you know, obviously had Robin Williams' roommate. Robin Williams' roommate what? as well. I didn't know that. Yeah, That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. 
but also and, like, and he, uh, and he had so also a connection to Christopher Reeve, right? Well, I think because was it through, through Robin Williams, or? well, Robin Williams and Christopher Reeves were, were they were tight, right. you know, because they both they were attending this. They were all essentially they were all attending around the same time period. So I mean, you can just imagine like what the synergy was with these really gifted actors. But again, Kevin Conroy, who was are not you alive saying that actually. we are you saying that we miss the opportunity of a world's finest with Kevin Conroy? And Christopher Reeve with Robin Williams as Mr. Mitzelplay. Oh, hey. Uh, You can't make me say my name backwards. You can't make me. Well, what word would that be? (laughs) Oh, you're not going to make me say Mitzelplay. Oh, damn. (laughs) You know, uh, it goes to show you that, um, uh, again, no one knew who, what his face was. Um, but for a generation, he was Batman. He really, you know, um, something that where you we don't think about the power of a syndicated cartoon. Yeah. And yeah, there's a reason there is there is a reason why we still like our generation is so obsessed with He-Man and G.I. Joe. They were daily beamed into your homes you know, pounded into your little, you know, developing brain. And as Batman starting in 1992, that's just a given for you. If you're a kid, I'm coming home every day, three o'clock, whatever Batman is on. And this is this is the common thread that I'm going to be able to follow even as I get older. By the time I'm in my 20s, this guy's still going to be Batman. <laughs> now, Kevin Conroy is already uh, he passed away on November 10th and um, uh, it is. Today, you know, the 30th, right? We're in the tail end. We're going to December. Um, a lot of things have already been said about Kevin Conroy and in, and in the internet. Tributes have been paid. Um, I'm just going to just say what um, Robert Meyer Burnett from John Cappy Show said. It was just, he was just tickled pink that Kevin Conroy got to portray Bruce Wayne live action once. And oh, that right. was yes. from on the, the CW, yeah. yeah, the Crisis on Infinite Earths thing on on the Hourverse, right? Well, yeah, he he he, you know, they, he had accrued enough, like p- that people who were fans did know him, yeah, and wanted to see him do that, you know. And he was fa- like, granted, like I look, I I I don't like the Hourverse. Um, we we look, we parried him on the show, but watching him uh, live action as Bruce Wayne just once, just once was just everything you know yeah uh, if you were uh, a fan of kevin conroy and i um i i'm not a heavy gamer but when i do game it's pretty heavy john knows this <laughs> the arkham games are very much a part of you know if you play arkham games you're um you're not like a guy who plays um uh like the, these rpg um, games uh, or, or like well coming in hot against the RPG community. Well, I'm, I'm just saying like I'm not that brave, kind of gamer. Brave of you. I but I adored adored the Arkham series and they as the public general they were extremely popular games that have put their own stamp on uh, Batman as I like to say all the time. I mean there are people who are Batman fans who maybe exclude. You know I'm not a gamer either, but I know that there may be people who are like their majority of their consumption of this character. Is through the games. They may not read the comics. They may not. They may not even see all the movies. But they 
Is, is a new Arkham game going to drop? They got it. And who was, again, the common thread for that was, again, Kevin Conroy doing the voice doing the voiceover work. Also along with uh, Mark Hamill as a Joker. Now, again, a lot of people are like, wait, Mark Hamill's Luke Skywalker? Was it? Yeah, he was the Joker also for a generation of-, of Right, and, you know, it is, again, this the two twinning of these two great talents mm-hmm. who have, you know, had, had parlayed that- fanboy enthusiasm for them as people, as performers, and uh, made a little cottage industry, have, you know, added a little cushion. And a community, to too. Yeah, right. community, you know. Um, and Conroy was a great ambassador for Batman. Um, any, you know, I would suggest anyone look up any of the interviews he had over the years where, you know, he talks about the sort of the Shakespearean level of it, how he, you know, how he cracked a nut once he got the job. Um. And I, I'm going to say one thing that I did not know until the man died. And I, I didn't know that he was homosexual. Yeah. Mm. Um, it was a thing that apparently he comes out, he comes out much, later, much, much later, later but I have to and say like, and I, make a splash either, so. I, you know, um, if it was a thing that was known, um, I don't think it was a thing that was talked about often. Who knows if, you know, Warner Brothers... You know, at the time, we forget as loosey goosey as things were changing when we were kids. I could see a big conglomerate like Warner Brothers going, "Oh, you hired this guy to do this job. Hey, we heard, eh, maybe keep that on the down low because it's a kids' show, but but whatever." You know, and, um, he, and he writes was, about this in his in his autobiography, was Finding he out Batman. In the 90s? He was out in I think 2016 in an interview with New York Times, oh. right? Yeah, right. And so that's what I'm saying is like it. I did had this was a part of him that I this is a this is a pop culture personality. Mm -hmm. I thought I had a good handle on or at least, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I have a passing. And and it's like, oh, okay. there's this whole other side that for whatever reason, I and I think most people because I think most people probably don't know. Um, And we're here. We're 2000. We're going into 2023 where. Where are the landscape of the stuff that we consume, you know, whether you call it woke or not, you know, has a lot more of diversity on that that end and and a lot more of that freedom for performers. A person can be out today and do a lot of different things. Um, I'm trying to remember who was the guy on USA, Matt Matt Bomber. Mm. All right. USA Suits. That's a dude who. At one, he's point, a guy who's at one point we were like, yeah, Matt Bomber, yeah, he could be a Superman. Superman. Right. Right. You know, and he did, in fact, do the voiceover work for him in, in some direct yeah, video yeah, yeah. project. Um, and, you know, he, there's a guy who's the lead of a show and he was able to still be out, be who he was. But he portrayed, you know, it, he Kevin Kyra did not obviously come up in the time where that would have been an, uh, an easy option. And that's why I think like uh, from, you know, I think his account with his uh uh, his autobiography, which I didn't read, but um, where the struggle was real for him. Like he talks about how uh, if he couldn't bring reveal to his lifestyle, otherwise it would cost him a job or not. Right. You know? and, and, that was- and he says that is what played into his Batman Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. He said, oh, I know all about being a guy who can't is really be genuinely right? Himself. Who is who is living a double life to his to a certain extent to a certain extent? Who has parts of him that he has to keep hidden for whatever reason, and he used that as a performer. Um, and that and I mean that if anything else, that you know, 
it's the shame that he he had to experience that. But at the same time, what a performer to use that life experience in such a way for something that most people are not going to be digging deep for yeah. if you think about it at that at the time there's not the respect for you know superhero type characters that you know um at the time we always considered them special things if something came out it was special no one was thinking oh hey there's going to be others there's there's money here but there's not enough big big money for you know the corporations to really care so you know it's like you get a job like that back then it's like well it's a job and when we be batman i'll be batman and you can just go through the motions. He is like, no, I'm an actor. You're acting me to. You're asking me to do a role, and you're telling me that you're going to approach this in a in a way that hasn't been done on mm-hmm. animation before. And he digs deep, and he, you know, he goes to places, um, and gives the role, you know, the weight it he feels it deserves. You know, on on social media, I I, I think I've. More than once, you know, because there's always a pissing contest with, oh, who's the best Batman ever, you yeah, know, everywhere, yeah. sort of, sort of oh. conversation. And uh, because, you know, we love the underdog and Kevin Conroy was that, you know, he's, guess what? He was the longest, uh, he's the one actor who's portrayed Batman the longest of any And you know what? Probably ever. the one who was able to, in because of that length. Mm-hmm has been able to do, be the performer who has done every shade of that you can do within that character. He's been angry Batman. He's been sad Batman. He's been remorseful Batman. He's, you know, he's been, he's been a prick. He's been cool. He's been this, he's been that. Over 20 years of time in a character that it's, it's a lot. You can, you know, you can accomplish a lot. And he, he really was well suited to the role. And I think, you needed for that show to come off as a, you know, as being, you know, what they wanted it to be, the sort of like semi-serious, semi-dark, semi-adult version that is still, you know, applicable for kids. You need a centerpiece that is going to knock it out of the park every week in the role. And he, he did it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I fair to say as much as you can give the credit to your Bruce Timms and, and Martin Pascal for making Batman the animated series that they cast Kevin Conroy is was a was a boon uh for you guys um go look up the daily show where him and tim daly they do this whole funny little uh thing daly um, as in tim daly tim daly the voice of superman yes. from from the from just league where they yeah they recreate yeah. the 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 dialogue it's really it's pretty funny it's directed by tim daly's kid um, and it's just sort of like, you know, like, I want you to know that I, like, it was a me who took you down, Clark, you know, it's, it really, it really is hilarious. Um, well, uh, by that point he had it down. <laughs> yeah. He had it down. He could just, he could slip into it for whatever reason. <laughs> um, let's all, I, you know, I, I would be bereft if like, wasn't he Captain Sunshine on, uh, was that the character's name from, um, Venture Brothers? Oh, was he? Oh my God. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me, if he was in. I believe he was, which is a whole, <laughs> a whole other thing. Yes, the 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 superhero uh, guy who is a he- unhealthy obsession with his with, dead with the- his dead sidekick. <laughs> I just like I tickled pink just remembering that that um, those episodes. Um, um, so speaking of so- which, I like yeah, just to name a few, you know, like because he did television aside from theater. Theater was his. Uh, 
uh, original bread and butter. Um, but, you know, aside from the Batman stuff, you know, he, he was in Matlock, he was in Dynasty, he was in O'Hara. He was in... Um, why, why are you giving O'Hara that, like, you know, I, Mr. Miyagi? Because Mr. Miyagi, after Karate Kid, he was a cop in L.A. called right. O'Hara. You know, right, uh, right. Cheers, yes. Murphy Brown. Um, he was and in... And you know what? Honestly, as you do wonder why he didn't get more work um, live action... Because he's got a good look. He had a good look. He had more than leading man '80s kind of like you know style looks. I'm I'm sorry, guys. I've been you know distracted with all this stuff, but I don't know if you covered this. I think a lot of people would have liked to see old Bruce Wayne as him. We did yes. cover it because yeah, yeah, we yeah. he did that on one of the shows. Yeah. He did that on the CW yeah. show. Yeah. He was he. Uh, He's Batman Beyond and Batman Beyond Bruce Batman. Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. He they did that version for but, him. Yeah. But they wanted to see him as a real Batman, a live action Batman. I yeah, he had a he had a he had a more than like you could see he's him. Kinda, he's kind of like the rush of voiceovers. Like okay. He never, he never got quite the recognition he deserved. Uh, let me put it to you this way. You know what I mean? Well, Rush just got inducted to the Hall of Fame. Okay. But, but, what? But, you know, a lot of people look, are like. I'm surrounded by Rush fans. Look at this. Somehow, I not some said anything way, yet. you were able to, like, take control of the wheel and, like, we're going to Rush Town. <laughs> and now I'm going to talk about how they weren't inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame until just recently. No, and, no but, but I'm saying, like, a lot of people feel that same way about uh, Rush. Like, yes. Conroy. Yes. Kevin about Conroy. how he never really I will got say that his full due. I think that had you done, like, a live-action Batman in the late 70s to early 80s, he is the look of a guy that would have been cast then for that. Like, Ed, let me put it this way. ABC's Batman in 1982-83. Kevin Conroy, a man. ABC. Who hides, who hides behind a mask. I could see that. I could see, well, uh, you know, an, an incredible loss, um, very sudden before before you before okay. you you get into that like um uh, master of the universe revelations he was merman yes and hordak yes. and i i wanted to bring this up uh also look up kevin smith's tribute like he he really does this thing and he just he can't hold back his tears well yeah he's like again well because he's like this is my batman this yeah. is the voice of a character that means so much. Yeah, exactly. And when he cries, you want to cry. Yes. So, so anyway. yeah, a very, a terrible, a terrible loss. Um, you know, very sudden. Um, he was pretty young, in all honesty. Um, but a moment of silence for the the impeccable and you know irreplaceable uh, Kevin Conroy. All right. And uh, we had to get that out of the way. It was, you know, it's it's not uh, it's not something you want to dwell on, but, you know, you want to honor talent and performers. So, uh, you know, we will. I am the knight. I am Batman. <laughs> that he was. And uh, we'll be back with some more uh, upbeat uh, stuff to talk about. After these words from friends. Ghost Dog Studio. Another friend of the show, or should I say the mother of To Be Continues a Fanboy Podcast website, Tamara, runs Ghost Dog Studio. From film scoring and editing where imagination, sound, and ideas converge. That's ghostdogstudio.com. 
go to ghostdogstudio.com. Freddy's Bar, a Brooklyn local institution located at 652 Fifth Avenue, Park Slope, Brooklyn. If you're thirsty and if you're looking to support local artists and musicians, come on over to Freddy's or check them out at freddysbar.com. Now, Johnny, you and I, we've played gigs here, right? Yeah. And they've got a whole back room full of live entertainment. So after a long week at working from home during these times, close up and come hang out with your buddies at Freddy's Bar. That's freddysbar.com. <laughs> to Be Continued Fanboy Podcast was also sponsored by Pancake Studios. You know, To Be Continued Fanboy Podcast, we were born here at Pancake Studios, and for the past five years, we have called this place home. Pancake Studios has come a long way from offering just audio services. They now offer Dolby Atmos and surround sound mixing, video recording, production and engineering, a full range of photography servers, and sound design. It is your one-stop shop media production services. Go to pancakestudios.net. Orphan Guitars. Local friend of the show, Alex, who works at Orphan Guitars, can help you find out what you're looking for, whether vintage or the right musical equipment for your needs, brand names from Fenders to Gibsons, electric guitars, basses, guitar amps, just head over to 493 Court Street at OrphanGuitars.com. You know, John, they've also helped with the community making donations to local soup kitchens in the past. Brooklyn's coolest guitar shop. That's OrphanGuitars.com. And we are back. <laughs> uh, oh, my Lord. Um, yes, yeah, so coming off of uh, some somber news with uh, the passing of Kevin Conroy, we now uh, switch gears mightily into the love that I have in my heart for uh, Diego Luna, Tony Gilroy, and the entire crew that brought us the 12 episode that was Disney Plus's Star Wars Andor. Now, uh, John did not get to complete the series. I forget if you even saw, did you see any any of it? Okay, that long sigh means I'm what? I'm really sad. I'm well, well, look. I couldn't, I couldn't. You didn't see any of it. I saw like the first three episodes. Okay, yeah. and you know what's funny is... Um, one of the things online that's been that's been percolating amazing. is the fact that because this was a 12 episode show done in these arcs, there were people who jumped off that this may contribute to some of the like the ratings things that people talk about. There are people who just jumped off because like, oh, I guess that was it. There are people who saw like the first three and they were like, oh, OK. Oh, all and right. then they picked up again and, and then they oh, were like, but they had to be told somebody to tell them, no, there's like it's 12 episodes. You got to keep going. Same with the prison arc. Same like, oh, I get oh, I guess that's the end of the Oh, that's the story they told. I can I can see that happening um, with the, the the sort of low support it has sort of had at Disney. It hasn't been quite as advertised as, say, Bo Book of Boba Fett or Mandalorian or something along those lines. Boy, this way we we had to, you know, <laughs> just to enlighten John about in a nutshell how this this first season ended. We go, okay, go to Luthen's speech, right? Right. Yes. And uh, and he's like, oh, well, I've given up everything, you know, like like what did you give up? And here it's like calm, kindness, kinship, love. I've given up all chances at inner peace. 
I've made my mind a sunless, uh, sunless space. I share dreams with ghosts. I wake up every day to an equation I wrote 15 years ago from which the only conclusion I'm damned for what I do. My anger, my ego, my unwillingness to yield, my eagerness to fight. They've set me on a path from which there is no escape. I've yearned to be the savior against injustice and without contemplating the cost. And by the time I looked down, there was no longer ground beneath my feet. What's my sacrifice? Goes on everything. And so we're, and, and, we're, and suddenly a million would-be actor, you know, teenagers across the, the you know, America are like, I'm going to do this one in class. I'm going to blow everybody's mind. Miguel, you know, like prior to coming back online was like, <laughs> at, well, we played John the speech and everything. And then that big moment of everything with the echo, you know, the sound design. And then I just said, sir, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> The setup, the setup was, the setup was too much. Yeah, it's a shame we was only on the live stream. Um, the private live stream. Right. Look, I, do, Miguel, I'll say. Good release. This was. Uh, it's been two weeks since the finale. Yes. Right. And we've Miguel has been... already turned. Like from then on, you've turned into this revolutionary, you know, thing about you know, about no, like every phone call from this point on has been like. Live in central office, uh, live, you know, <laughs> central headquarters, you know. No, see, we're no, gonna start no, talking like this. no, see, see, no, I'm doing Diego Luna. Oh, you're doing Diego, Diego Luna. No. Tell them what to do. You do this every day. Tell them what to do. He's, he's a Spaniard who was raised by Frenchmen, it seems like. I don't know, <laughs> even though I know he's Mexican, there's just something about his, like, especially as Cassie Andor, where... He has this uh, this delivery, and it's like I don't know what you are. I don't know where you're from. I just know you're foreign. <laughs> um, well, you know, Skarsgård sounds like this, right? And that thing, and then you have these and two. We have these Diego two. Luna sounds- we have these two hushed, gravelly voiced guys going back and forth, who then build to crescendos and stuff with their speeches. Uh, we covered Andor uh, previously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like you said, since the the finale, we've just been sort of high on this show, high on what it is. There's been a lot of talk about it, but it's affecting you like okay, really fine, deep. Fine, yeah. Well, know? it is because I do because this is um uh, I this is the sort of genre work I like. I can sink my teeth into the, all the thought that was put into mm-hmm. it, uh, the passion behind it. Because this is you know getting into the finale stretch of this show. You, I would completely understand someone starting those first three episodes and just not necessarily being drawn into the story enough to continue. Um, It's not that those first three episodes were terrible. Um, They were really well done and they, they're the setup. You can't have the rest of the show without what the content was in those episodes. You introduce all the characters, the stakes, the sort of themes. But I'll be the first to say is my, I love this show, but those first three episodes are okay. They're fine. They're just, you know, they're kind of they're there. there for setup. Yeah. Right. It's as the show slowly unfolds uh, and you realize what it is that Tony Gilroy and crew are trying to accomplish and doing, I would say, passing that test. Now, they, you know, they got a 98, <laughs> you know, at, you know, that's the worst. They, they may, because it's just the richest, most textured, most well-written version of Star Wars that has ever happened with a theme overarching of of fighting against fascism and community that just is 
beautiful and, from and, beginning and, to and end. There, you just said it. That's key. Like, a, it's Star Wars, right? And Star Wars is a tale of you know rebellion against fascism. Um, I there's no way to cut it other than to say that the you know like the Empire. They're fascists. Granted, again, we said this on the show. It's it's run by There's a an evil, evil space, wor- space wizard, wizard yes, right? at the head of it. But here you have look. It's it's there was nothing um, way more fascist than hey, you know what? Um, we're here. We are. We've got security detail around. Like, and I'm, I'm talking about the big parade, the big funeral right, for session. A funeral, right? right? Let, that that an asshole. The guy who said, uh, "Can I just be called prefect?" Remember? Yeah. He was the guy that was like, oh, we're kicking all these people out of this one building and uh, we're putting you, making you the military commander. Hey, can I be called prefect? You know, just frankly, as much as I liked Rogue One, as much as I liked Diego Luna as Cassian Andor in Rogue One, when they announced it, it was kind of like, okay, I guess, I guess. Like that was it. That was as much passion as you could muster. It's like, uh, Diego Luna's and oh, okay, if you're going to give me that, that's fine. Like, you know, not dissing it, but also wasn't on pins and needles like a, we got to get the Cassian Andor mm-hmm. story. And they made it so compelling, basically from the start. Like I said, the first three episodes are, eh, but you, I'm, I was swept along. I'm just saying other people probably, but I was like, okay, all right, we're peeling the onion. We're getting to know what's going on here. How does this guy who, when we meet him, end up as the dude who, you know, gets killed on Scarif by the Death Star, but ends up being an important you know, part of making the destruction of the Death Star possible. Uh, Gilroy is is pushing the envelope on things here. You know, um, one of the we were prefacing this, uh, and the like. For me, I, I'll have to say this: like, uh, I've never seen um, Narcos, and my best friend was over the other day, and and he was like, "Oh, I need to catch up," and he showed me like one episode. And by the way, you know, if you are Narcos actor chances are you'll end up in star wars right because <laughs> right. the mandalorian was in it i hear uh, diego luna is in like season two um like there are tons of actors who just eventually get transported adr jonah uh who plays a uh, a prostitute informant in arjona she is raped and then some that's how graphic this stuff is gilroy takes the um the idea of well and this is what i'm at like kind of kind of spoke to you about like at what point do, do does disney plus go we're going to push the envelope and show you um very adulterated themes well right? uh, I, and, and you mentioned um uh deidre being assaulted i mean like I a think scene that's like a, that i think that they that's maybe as close as they're going to get to that yeah yeah, yeah um but it you know but that's the, the first way time they we've, did yeah. the, the way they, they it was shot and then we saw the after effects of her, you know, during the riot on Ferrix. Um, I think it's going to be a very important part of her character going forward. Um, getting back to Gilroy um, and team, they are, when you think about back to those first three episodes, when we were introduced Cassian, what if on paper, what's happening? And you and I as adults know what's happening, right? It's okay. He went to this place. It's a brothel. Mm-hmm. All right. Obviously, he was like in the red light districts of of that place, Marlana. Okay. It's not done in a way that's in your face, but it's enough that you and I as adults know it. But a kid could watch that and just get, I know he's someplace seedy, but I don't have to know the specifics of it. You know, and if, if, if some, if I'm, you know, 11 years old and I haven't come across the term brothel yet, 
it's mostly going to go over your head. They, they, he did, they did write a fine line of like, we're going to make this very real, but I do understand where I am working in terms of both the property of Star Wars and also Disney as a corporation mm-hmm. and as an entertainment uh, group. Because think about it, like, as much as we're giving the, you know, rah-rah for the writing, think about the prison arc. It wasn't Oz, but it was as close to Oz as Star Wars mm-hmm. is going to come, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so, I, you know, I, I do think maybe we have to measure uh, uh, like that, uh, the greatest of all mm-hmm. kind of, but at the same time, there's a part of me that goes, this just was so passionate and well done because ultimately it is about ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about like um, taking, again, saying, how do I take the idea of this character in this world serious enough that I can find the drama to mine and things to say about, you know, the nature of the world, which is what all art's supposed to do. While also still delivering what this genre and this specific franchise, you know, a fan would want out of it. And he spins all those plates uh, beautifully. Um, there's a lot, so much effort. There's so much talent in front of the camera, behind the camera. Um, Gilroy and his brother also uh, are doing it. And, you know, they they talk about, you said um, a big influence was Michael Collins. Uh, Michael Clayton, Michael Clayton. I'm sorry, Michael Michael Clayton, Clayton, because right. Gilroy wrote, uh, wrote right. Michael Clayton. And the same thing he with the same research that went into that mm-hmm. is what's happening here. It's like, okay, how is there a, a uprising? You know, what causes it? Who are the figures in it? What's the fallout of it? Um, we had done already done previously, um, the, uh, the other arcs we went into the, um, uh, the, the the prison arc. We did not get to cover this the, this final arc. The, mm-hmm. the, sort of the return to Ferex arc, shall we say? That yeah. culminates in this. Andor had been freed from his uh, you know imprisonment. Him and Melshi were you know um, make it to shore, make it to freedom. Uh, things are percolating with Mon Mothman in the background again. So it's like, okay, will she or won't she? You know, marry her daughter off, uh, and Marva's. Health on Ferex takes a turn, and this knowledge be- is disseminated enough that people are now like, okay, she's dead. Will Cassian come back for the funeral? And that brings all of the people who are after Cassian. So you have the Empire, you have his friends, and you have uh, Luthen's rebel cell all coming back to Ferex mm-hmm. because Cassian is most likely going to be there, and they want they want him for all for their own purposes. Uh, you know, chances are, here's the thing. If the Imperials would have caught him, he probably would have still been alive because they need, because Deidre made a point, a point of saying, we want, this is all about operation. I want him alive to find Luthen. If the rebels had caught him, he would have been dead. Luthen was there to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, cut off loose ends. And this is all juxtaposed with. Cassian, having gone through all of these experiences now, realizing that Luthen, to a degree, to a very large degree, was right of the way he's living his life. Look, the the Empire is going to kill me one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. So I might as well do what Luthen says. If I keep living the life I'm going to live being a scavenger, they're going to they're going to I'm going to be stomped under their boot at some point. Mm-hmm. 
And so, it's it's a matter of like, how do you want to re- live, live out the rest of your like, years? You know, you know, do you do you want to live with purpose, or do you just want to just continue just doing what you're doing? And that speech really is everything, isn't it? Which is you know which and I say that which one, which speech? Because this show, and this arc is like filled with that. We are filled with you know, starting with Luthen's amazing speech of "I give everything." Mm. Um, Kino Loy has a speech yeah. to rouse the prisoners on Narkina. Marva is given a speech from beyond the grave. Yeah. Um, this is, you know, it's like Nemec is given an, a speech beyond the grave as well with his manifesto. And those are the things that are all percolating with Cassian where he's make, finally come down to make make this Eventually decision. Eventually he'll have his own speech. Yeah, maybe. Uh, you know, that. <laughs> what's also funny is that Cassian Andor is... There's been some, and this part of this arc, this, 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 this puts it in, I think, into a very stock relief. People have said, is Cassian just a Forrest Gump in all this? Is he being carried along <laughs> a wave of events and things that aren't in his control? He's just around. Because to a degree, you can't say that has been so. Like he, when he the comes to the prison breakout, he, you know, um, he defers to Kino as a leader, but he's his hype man. He's yeah. like, you, you've got to do this. Yeah. You're the one who can make this happen. Yeah. Showing again that he's not the guy who's the star. He's not Luke Skywalker, you know? Um, well, yeah. But the show gives him all of this death because it's the story of that guy who becomes, who commits themselves in a time of oppression to fighting said oppression. Well, what's interesting is, you know, like after the breakouts um, and then it's like him, him and Melchie like have this, have this like, let's steal that ship. And then meanwhile, like they, they get caught and then it's like, listen, the Henson I'll take company, you, the Henson I'll take you to my, else. I'll take you to my vacation home where I keep my blaster and my, and, and, and my money. <laughs> right. The guy can just. He can live out his years very pretty comfortably, you know. But well, you have the whole like going back to like once he finds out, you know, he found out the mother had died previously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's set on that course after that yeah. point. He has he's like, I'm gonna he's gonna go home regardless. Right. And this is the thing what I'm getting to is that the idea of like, oh, is Cassian just being not a character? He is getting his development, but his development is within this wider narrative of oppression. Mm. And it's oppression versus community because this is the other part. It's why he's everything revolves around Cassian. Mm-hmm. We get to this arc and suddenly all those characters that were set up, the people who were in his life before the start of the story, the people in his community take center stage mm-hmm. and the community of Ferrix takes center stage. And this is even seen in stuff like the set design, which is another thing that this show is, I mean, my God, um, you know, the studios over there in England, I mean, it's amazing. There, You can use the volume. It's great. But the fact that they built all of these, it does. I'm not usually a poo-poo CGI guy. But in terms of how this show was, it worked. You look at Ferrix and it's like something I've always said. What have I always said about Star Wars I want to see? I want to see what's the ground level. Mm. What are people in this world doing every day? And you see, what is Ferrix? It is this working class... Um, world where the community is people who are not rich, but, you know, they're doing all right for themselves given. 
And under the heel, granted. And they're a very big, they're very community minded. You see that when things go down, everyone, there's a network of Mm -hmm. information, of interdependent relationships. And this is the sort of thing that is so important in a fight against oppression. And at the end, what it is, is it's the community of Ferrix coming together to, you know, because of Cassian's actions and the people in his orbit to say the time is over. We are, we can't be quiet anymore. Uh, The community was so tight that uh, uh, um, Cassian who had tunneled through like into, into some kitchen somewhere and then pulls a gun on someone. And And he's like, like, Oh, it's just you. Oh, it's just you. By the way, sorry about your mother. Like everyone knew what was going on that particular day. Everyone knew, Oh, there's going to be a funeral for, for the for for the and everyone one knows true no, daughter no, no snitching, no snitching, no snitching. They were like, the word got out. Hey, look, you know, Marva's, mm. you know, Marva's getting her brick done today. Cassian might show. If you see him, you didn't. But guess what? Like, in essence, Cassian's experience was not necessarily unique because the beginning of that of the finale episode was a boy who was just sort of like building a bomb right. with the image of his father. You know, or or whatever the image of of, of someone that he loved who had, who died under the heel or whatever, and and it was all building up to that because you know he was just the the boy was just sort of like well the idea I think is that you have characters like Luthen who are you know like you said he's amping up mm. this is what he wanted he wanted uh, it, there need to be a, a pressure release at some point yeah. he knows yeah. but you get also the sense that. It has to also, it has to have that input of the community of the people being oppressed. Mm. You can't just push them, push them. It has to be, and we're doing this for good reasons. Um, and that and that makes Luthen very a scary. very great. He's a great, very scary character. Yeah, I like like you go. Yeah, you rebellion. Would you want to work for Luthen? Uh, exactly, I don't know. because if you if you miss a step, you're going to get a gun to the back of your head. And that's where you. <laughs> and that's where you know. I think the the one of the biggest people's uh, one of the things people talked about um, is that like this is Star Wars HBO style. Yeah, you know, this like is Star Wars done in a, an adultish adult, and that, like and that's the thing. There are there is a parking break on some stuff, as you said. There's stuff that I think is done to evoke stuff, but mm-hmm. not go over that line. Um, as you said, you're, you're, they're never going to, you know, I, you're, they're never going to show Deidre getting raped, but they did get a very, this moment where it's like, here's a riot happening in the world of Star Wars. And, and okay, getting into a weird turn on a dime sort of stuff mm. where everything was, what Luthen wanted. This is building. The pressure is building. Yeah, fuck the empire. And then once that moment happened, you realize what the cost of that would be. Yeah, they showed you the lives. They showed you that this would stick. Like, is it's hard. You feel torn. It's like, yes, fuck the empire. I see what they're doing. And then it's like, but you know, everyone these they get slaughtered. You know, they do get slaughtered. It's cool to see Brasso punch out a guy with the brick. You know, Marvis brick. That was awesome. But. You know, now you're like, oh, the shit's really hit the fan here. And I think Lucas, now, look, this is the man who designed THX. Right. Right, 1138. Um, But again, it's like, I don't think it ever came across to his mind, like, let's take these two characters, Saw Gerrera 
and Luth and Rael. Mm-hmm. Choose your own venture. Okay. You know, who would you want to play for? You know, like, it's like. Neither. <laughs> but because they're, they're scary, realistic yeah. individuals yeah, yeah. in a world of noble, you know, hero types that are very. Well, there's always the, the, the Palpatine. Uh, he'll treat you well, you know. Don't make we get me to have cereal on a regular don't basis. Make me, don't make me do my bit about Palpatine getting pissed off. That he's Wait, what's this? <laughs> Oh, hey, all right. So uh, we got Stellan Skarsgård. What? He's working for the Rebels. Son of a bitch. First Mickelson and now this. <laughs> but um, Gilroy really created this show that, you know, had these big good themes with these interesting characters. And there was a sense of, okay, you have to amp up that dramatic tension if you're not going to do lightsabers mm-hmm. and spaceship battles. And he did. He made this adult, interesting, you know, piece with all of these. And that final, like I said, the, it's all there, I think, in that finale. All of the, like, the thinking through of what this community was, the daughters of Ferrex, how Marvel would use that, how that then would cause you know, what Luthen wanted and where we're going to place all our characters and, you know, what that's going to do with the positions going forward. And then, of course, the big host credit, you know, thing, the idea of, of linking this all still so strongly to Star Wars and going, hey, that shit that Cassian was building in the prison. Yep. Those are parts of the Death Star's turbo laser. The thing that he will be part of destroying, but which will kill him before that happens. All in all, I mean, like, this this show is, I don't want to say I want everything in Star Wars to be like it. Um, I think that given my own political and social, you know, druthers and yours, that there's a lot of this where we're kind of got like, yes, I'm glad that this was so overtly political in what it was talking about. Do I necessarily think every Star Wars thing should be that? No. I don't think you have to necessarily do that. Do I think that the seriousness, the commitment to um, character and a theme, whatever your theme is, Mm. and the depth of the production values, yes, that I would like to go forward. I think Obi-Wan Kenobi would have been a much better show had there been a much stronger sense of what the vision was. This you can out you yeah like you know, this show knew what it wanted to do and did everything it could do to accomplish it, cut all out all the fat and you know made it digestible and and nail biting and filled with so much tension. Well, Bo- you know, Uncle Boba Fett was missing that, and Obi Wan was missing. Well, that. one of the things that uh, that's pretty well known is that Andor's viewership is you know has been it's, it's shaky. It's, 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 it's shaky compared to the, the the rest of the other shows. Um, uh, and I think that's all that's just, you know, the doing business being Disney, right. You know, is how do you bring, uh, something that's very adulterated, very compelling, very grown up um, into this franchise, into this franchise. Um, also and yet- with, with something where we've decided it's a character called Andor, not Obi, everyone knows right. Obi-Wan Kenobi. People knew Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. They didn't call it something like Rise of the Rebellion or In the Shadow of the Empire or something. It's called Andor. And as big of a hit as Road One was for the average audience goer, 
they probably don't remember that character's and I'll t- name. I tell you and right. So it's like just calling it Andor. Like okay. out of the Andor, I, what? Out of, and not only that, but even the uh, not just the marketing, but like there's the it's the presentation is so muted. Look that intro. There's no, yeah. there's no, there's nothing to the intro, right? You know, aside from, oh, you know, like this, mu- this sort of ominous music there is, and, and the this symbol. Is, I wanna and then say, that's I want to say this again about this, this finale portion where I think it's really, we forget that there is, and especially the DNA of A New Hope, the first mm. Star Wars film. Lucas is, there's... Sometimes a foreboding sense when you watch that film for the first time with certain things. There's a certain there is a weird dystopian sense in some parts of that film. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, Princess Leia's, you know, interrogation scene. Um, there's Which parts mirrors where, uh, um, Bix's, yeah, Bix's yeah. interrogation scene where they this is my that I think that that works for what this story was and what they were doing very well. And we forget that that can be like, it can be star Wars and we forget star Wars can have those elements sometimes in them Mm -hmm. and are, and are about, I mean, like, you know, the vastness and size of things that were, that is established in, in a new hope, you know, things like the visual approach of the Falcon going into the death star. Mm -hmm. Think about how that is a, just like, Cyril's anonymous cubicle, you know, world that he would, you know, that he's been sort of like sent to as we see him and we pull away. And again, here's the immensity of this world where it, there's a, there can be a foreboding in, in just the sense of size. Well, you want to talk about size. Uh, let's talk about those things you were making and the prisons, right? And we get in the post credits. Yeah, being you know, it's like, the oh, I see there, there are the couplings for, for, for the, for the sausage dish. Uh, for the Death Star, which, you know, I, I think there was uh, like tons of confusion. Like, wait a minute. The dome is complete. Right. Yeah, there's but, some, yeah, there's I know, some I know timing like- <laughs> issues where I kind of go like, how long have they been trying to get this thing? Like, at some like, is this like, is this like Palpatine's like. <laughs> Back to Palpatine. Like, is is this, is, is the, was the Death Star kind of like, you know, it's like when a guy buys a bike and he's like, kind of like, and I'm going to fix it up. <laughs> And it's like, I'm going to clean the carburetors out. And like, you know, yeah, for about six, seven months, he's into it. But then, you know, bills and, you know, personal life. And it was like, he's got to put a tarp over it. And like, you know, two, three, four years pass. It's still in the corner of the garage. And he picks up and like, <laughs> I should finish this. I should. Because you got to think about the time again, the time wise of like, we saw it being constructed in, in Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> And like, you know, stop, go. I had to kill all the people on Genosis. It was a whole thing. And, you know, but now I'm feeling right. like this is the year. This is going to be Death Star. <laughs> this is Death Star Summer. This is Death Star Summer, Vader. But we did have this uh, this sort of like conversation about, um, well, you know, the, the, guess what? The Nazis did it. You know, slave labor, right? Concentration yeah. camps. You know. I was so I was really surprised. On a little side note, of all the, there are a lot of online people who are like, "Oh, they can't be building the Death Star," and it's like it could only it only make sense that a operation where you know, in my opinion, mm. you know, and I think Gilroy thought this as well, given his way. I could totally see Gilroy's mind going. And guess what? All those guards are going to die too. They were going to. They were those guards yeah, were yeah. dead men yeah. walking too, right. <laughs> because this is a thing that the no one knew about that the emperor was going to keep completely on the quiet. 
And of course, in a regime like that, you know, means mass death. And this is the, the the part of it. We didn't need to see. We're bringing, keep bringing up Palpatine, and he's a character who's mentioned. Talk about um, what the Emperor wants is very, you know, into you know, it, on the ISB side of things. But this was about the world, the people who lived in this world, mm-hmm. and this show. I it, I just think it knocked it out of the park. Um, and it's a shame that it wasn't a wider, a wide, more widely seen product. Um, because I got to tell you, and then you, 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 you said, oh, Miguel, you've been all about this. Look, we're, I'm just going to say we live in politically precarious times. And I, the fact that I can look at a thing as widely known in the culture as Star Wars, mm-hmm. as well as something that means personally so much to me, Star Wars means so per- much to me personally, and having it tackle that kind of stuff and that subject matter. Um, I I couldn't be I couldn't be happier I couldn't be happier now going into now season two which you know we're gonna have a little hiatus uh, and then almost two years right almost two well you know this year is almost over and then you have then you have most of the uh, next year we won't be seeing season two till uh, 24 2024. Um, and then you bring it like well this is their opportunity to jazz it up you know this is this is they're only getting two seasons. There you is know. one. Oh, look, to the show's uh, credit, and we'll end on this, to the show's credit, as we said, they built this using tertiary characters. They don't have to show us, you know, anything going on with Luke or Obi-Wan or Han Solo or any of those sort of things. And I love that, you know, the, the fact that the biggest OT character is Mon Mothma, mm-hmm. which yeah. they had all of this like canvas to work with. I, I, I do. I, they don't have to include pizzazz. They don't have to include those characters. I do think that if you're knowing how this was, you know, maybe the the reception wide wasn't as widely um, as enthusiastic as they wanted. I could see them jazzing it up in a season two, going, "Let's get a as we were talking about. Let's get a Millie Bobby Brown type. Let's say cast her as a young Leia." Have her and Mon Mothma as like sort of a duo for those scenes, you know, just to get the eyeballs on it. You know, I, I, I'm I'm uh, hedging on uh, young Akbar, Admiral Akbar, which, you know, they're they're building Yavin right, look. and uh, he's and he, Ed, they're having a lunch break. And he's like, well, yeah, you know, like, what are you having there, Akbar? Well, it's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> I had to bring that up. I had to bring I had to, I had to, I had to really. Throw that joke Ed, in. why did you hack into my iPad and find my treatment for the Young Akbar Chronicles? <laughs> but it only goes to From show you. Tadpole to Admiral, we <laughs> your idea was let's let's bring in you know some of these other characters in, you know, like I just stunt casting. Right. It, well, again, because just, just to because it, it, you could have that as a emergency like release of like, hey, we need the numbers. We need, you yeah. know, we want we want I want people to see this. Um, on the other hand, the simple fact that it was been designed as only a two season show, it seems right. They've said it's only going to be mm-hmm. two seasons means that Gilroy had his assurances probably that he could do whatever he wanted. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, they're doing the second season. It's not like I have to make the ratings great for the second season because I want a third. Apparently it's no, it's, we're going to be done. We're going to do this story up to a certain point and that's it. So 
maybe he doesn't need stunt casting. He has the story. He's going to tell the story he wants to tell. And and that's it. I would be fine either way. Uh, in, in all honesty, I would like if only because the one of the biggest reasons to want to see that, though, is to see an OT trilogy character. Handled by Gilroy, a a young Princess Leia played by Millie Bobby Brown, handled by Gilroy's team there being Leia, who you would want to see what they would do there, what the dialogue would be, what the interactions would be, what they could add meaty to that character. Mm. But I'm also very happy if it is just like, look, we've got our cast. We'll have our new characters, obviously, that will you know come. I think that the writing on this show and the approach of the show is so good that there's always another layer to peel with these characters. Characters who appear appear to be almost blank, you know, slates, but you know, just like, oh, you're a, you're a background character. Suddenly, at every twist and turn, was like, no, we're going to treat them like a real person, and we're going to give them backstory, and you're going to understand them and, and their reactions and why they're doing the things they're doing while they're saying the things they're saying. Like I said, it, I I would I would like to see that, but the show works because. It's already doing that with its characters. Um, I know. I know. We're going to move on from this uh, from this review of the uh, of, of the finale. Um, I want to place my bets. Jimmy Smits uh, is going to make his entry because Bail Organa, Bail Organa, Mom Mothma would be yeah. it would be a very good. Um, uh, I was like talking a- to a friend of the show, uh, King of Star Wars. And, you know, one of the things that's interesting is like, you know, you got to go like, what is this time? Are they going to have a time jump, which they've said they are? What happens in that time jump? Will they cover things that they've already covered? Because <sighs> Mon Mothma's character is so interesting so wait, and they, rich. They said they wouldn't have a time jump? Probably it's going to be like a year. A year okay. A year. Okay. I thought you meant like five. Now, here's the thing. In not the Game of Thrones time. Yeah. No, yeah. In the, yeah, yeah, yeah. No House of Dragons. It's like some, five like, you know, it's like, Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> My Lord. Yeah. Seriously. Um. Five. I love that you use the term kids instead of years because you were listening to kids later. Time, you know. <laughs> it's like this is the end of a woman's life. She cannot be <laughs> retried. She time is. I'm the killer. <laughs> wow. Okay. Anyway, uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, they're they're going to do a time jump now. Um, Mon Mothma's character in the show Rebels, which is canon. Mm-hmm. She has her final break with the Empire during that show, and they have a whole thing where Sindula and the crew have to like. Yeah. Get her out of like Coruscant. So on. Was this cover that? Would this cover the time right before that? Would you include that as a part of, you know, like, could you include it as part of the story? Can you make it like, oh, what you didn't see is Cassian delivering her to the ghost right before she, you know, like, could do something like that? Maybe, you know, that you do you do those, those sort of things. Um, regardless of what they choose to do, I'm sure it's going to be. Um, a hell of a ride because this whole season has been um, a such a wonderful, pleasant surprise, and it's, I really, it's opened doors to what can be done, right? You know, yeah. and uh, look, Acolytes is I think around the corner. Um, maybe it puts pressure on on upcoming. Like maybe the guys yeah. who are doing Acolyte mm-hmm. are like, all right, let's we have to let's we have to let's have bring to. this up the A game here yeah. because you know. Dramatically, anyway, and technically, if not in terms of the audience response, perhaps, um, the yep. bar has been raised. It is. The bar has been raised. This, it feels like a cult 80s 
sci-fi show, something that had a lot of depth or whatever, but just do, is not getting the, the the coverage. Or as Marty McFly says, you're not ready for this. But your kids are going to love it. Gonna love it. <laughs> and on that note, we will uh, take a break and have some words from friends. And we'll be back with our uh, review of Wakanda Forever. Wakanda Forever. And now I'm going to scratch my balls. Got it on Candy Campus. Uh, scratch my balls because can't do that while you're recording. A man chosen by happenstance. Happenstance. Well, your testicles get really sweaty and itchy. You're going to scratch your balls. Uh, oh, seriously, oh. though, John, don't miss out. Watch this show. I will. No, I'm going to watch. Watch this show because this is Star Wars that is honestly speaking to millennial and younger audience. And I'm happy that it the message that it's giving. Let's just say that much. All right. Uh, you know, I don't like uh, to be too downer, um, it, you know, with our episodes. I like us to be light and frothy. But unfortunately, we had to start with the death of Kevin Conroy. And death hangs over the next thing we're going to be talking about, which is Black Panther Wakanda yeah. Forever. Which is a, a, a funeral of a movie. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the elephant in the room is the death of the star of the first Black Panther movie, Chadwick Boseman, you know, at such an early young age. But for uh, Coogler, um, a, a, a really a Herculean film. task to how do we make this work and not recast him. Yes. How do we continue the storyline? Yes. I don't want to chew over too much the same stuff about, you know, but like never, you know, this was a this was a choice that was foisted upon Kevin Feige. And he made the choice to go forward with a sequel after having lost the, you know, the charismatic and, uh, you know, rising young star of the first, like, you know, breakthrough blockbuster Black Panther. Everything I think that this film that we're going to talk about this film flows out of that terrible real life tragedy. For good or for ill. And they're both. Um, this is a hard movie for me to get my hands around. Ed's been talking about it as well yeah. since he saw it. Yeah. He said, I really, he it's, said, I, you have to see it because I need to talk to someone about it because it's so complicated and it's, it's, yeah, there's so much going on. And this, you know, you don't, there's pressure of like, Oh, Hey, you don't want to shit on this movie because of the, the circumstances and you don't want so to sound and you don't want to yeah. And even if they're and even, but here's the thing, even if it's worthy of it, it may be in some areas, you don't want to sound like you are because, again, the nature of it. I'm going to try and be objective. Um, I think you can tell from my response, this is not a like a full-throated, like, this was a great movie at the same time. No, in no way, shape, or form do I think that there was a – there were giant balls dropped in this movie. I, I just think that there's a lot of – well, it was a lot of plates to spin. It was a lot of things to yeah. to, to, and, to to handle. And about, and, let me get a few. Let me get a couple things out of the way first, right? You know, um, two hundred fifty million dollar budget. It's already made uh, well above north of uh, half a, half a billion six hundred seventy eight point two million, right? So it's it's making and money. In post COVID world, that's very good. Yeah, and also I think that's also there is also a um, uh, a word of mouth of no, you need to see that. Like what I just told him, like. I think it is a movie that movie. you I think it is a movie I would absolutely say that's different from Black Panther of saying like you got to see this movie because it's great. I think this is a 
you got to see this movie to make up your own mind. Right. And that's like, you you need to see this movie because I think I will go as far as to say Kugler invents a weird John, like subgenre type of movie, which is like, look, it's a funeral in a movie. Right now, you and I, we've said in the past, oh, recasting was a way to go. A lot of people, this is a conversation that's been going on in the internet. No, you know, you should have recasted. Disney should have recasted. But now at this point, personally for me, I go, I think there was no way but to not recast and just, just move on forward and tell the story, you know. Uh, and and we'll, we'll get to the meat of the story. We don't need to rehash things in the story. Yes, this is a spoiler discussion. Yeah, we're going uh, to go completely balls, hard balls. But I've never felt so... Spoiler. I've never felt so excited to talk about this movie. Again, not because I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. Um, it's a flawed movie. But it's a, but it's a full plate. But it's a full plate. <laughs> it's a lot of stuff. And yeah. we can even say that... Uh, it doesn't really involve necessarily the MCU, even though it's an MCU movie. Like it by it, it's it can stand on its own as its own movie. It's yes, it's a superhero movie. I I've I think I've shorthanded this, you know, as I'm texting back and forth between uh Jeremy Martin and you. This is like uh, oh, it's a pri- a Disney princess movie, Empire Strikes Back. It's got Revenge of the Jedi in it. <laughs> well, yeah, and Return of the Jedi. It, you know, it's, it's it's covering it is covering a lot. And um, as we said, spoilers. You know, the movie opens with you know slap in the face, Chadwick Boseman and his death, and you know where they do the special Marvel logo, where you know the we see Chad we see Chadwick Bowman Boseman. Twice in this movie, we see that special Marvel logo that that is put up where he is every image as they you know normally do all the you know various images from their movies as the as their logo comes into play, and then at the absolute end where Shuri has a breakdown finally, you know coming to terms with the, you know her grief of the death of her of her brother, and we get all these shots of of Chaswick. He his death hangs over the entirety of the movie from the beginning into the end. It starts out with a scene, like I said, a funeral scene for, and it's one of, we're going to get multiple funerals in this movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so it starts out and I, it hits me and I'm watching it. I'm going, you can't separate Chadwick Boseman, the man and actor and mm-hmm. performer from Black Panther. And this film doesn't either. Yeah. And it's something very meta, right? Because um, it off the bat, they start off with cheery, Trying to find a cure for an undisclosed illness, and right? she says they don't tell he, you how he dies. And they even say he had kept it to himself, just as Bozeman had done. Yep, yep. And then we get this funeral, and something about those funeral shots. One is I can't even imagine what it must have been like on the set that day, because essentially every actor who is there on that set is the surviving played the, the characters who survived the first Black Panther film, and they have to be filmed a funeral for this person Mm -hmm. who they worked with so intimately. So that's all right. Second is I have to say Kugler lays his shit down on his technical acumen in this movie because, Oh yeah, it, it is. It's Wakanda is this wonderfully rendered its own beautiful world. He is so much more self-assured with the special effects. 
and the larger sort of like production, you know, issues that a film like this comes to, it it is a better looking movie than the first Black Panther film. It's polished. It's very polished, and he he's and he gets out. And look, this is a movie where we we lose the central character and the you know the the marquee name that was the head of it, and he just rolls into the supporting cast and puts them into the forefront, and he does it in a in a way that does move the ball forward with mo- all of these characters develops them more, gives some more spotlight and shine, you know, like, look, if you thought that Angela Bassett should have been given more to do in the first black Panther movie, this movie complete, they use Angela, they squeeze all the Angela Bassett juice that they well, can look, get. I mean, the, the fanboys that are, didn't are... come out right. That sounded horrible. <laughs> or did it sound like the best thing ever? I'll let you decide. Well, I continue. Sir. About, yes. well, before I get into my, my point, uh, across, but, uh, about Angela Bassett, I, I said to you, gosh, I, 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 I want to make love to Danai Gurria. Yes. Okay. To so Angela okay. Bassett. You're getting this all. And the Lupita Nyong'o, right? Oh, look, my wife would be like, oh, I agree, you should. You know, she would say that, Jen. So, um, now, uh, visual, um, the, 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 the visual, uh, um, massive vision that's going on. Yeah. Let's talk about the one of the craziest things visually that, 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 that occurs in this movie, right? So they have this big battle on the the Wakandan Navy um yeah, barge or whatever uh, yeah. uh, right right you know and uh and you go that's kind of crazy but it can work because you know <laughs> well, well I mean I think more so the stuff like we talked about um the fact that you know this is a film that I guess there's so many plates spent. And then I know where they drop the midnight angels like right okay well you, know, just, Koye, um, right. you have this whole situation where it is not just that he has to deal with that he's lost his his main star and he's pushing the story forward with the supporting characters and having to give Shuri her own thing. He's also introducing into the MCU a very big, the first, literal first Marvel character ever and an important Marvel character, which is Namor the Submariner. Mm. And in doing so, just as he did in, with the first film in Wakanda – He's been given the job of you have to define Namor and their people and his people. You have to define the culture. You have to define what it looks like, what it sounds like, what it smells like. Why they are, right. Why and who they are and set themselves off, you know, in the wider MCU. And he does that. Um, Namor is a favorite character of mine. I am, I think that previewing some of the things where I think that there are weaknesses or things don't quite come together the way they should. I was not as crazy about this guy's name or as I think you were. Yeah, I think that there were moments differed. where he was very good or the approach they were doing with him was, I like that. And then there were times where it just, it's not that he was terrible. It's just, I don't know if it fit. It was quite what I wanted from that character per se. Um, But yeah, he, you know, he, that's one of the other things is like, oh, I have to introduce this character that most likely will be used in other things later on and have to make, you know, introduce him into the story with some, a lot of important, and just given the way that world is, it, it's, it is, it's a lot of well, like, let's get specific about that. Like come up with something to fight Wakanda and, you know, the Black Panthers. Well, let's get specific about that. Well, first off, my, um, my wife did not see the movie, but as I'm describing Namor to her, again, my, my wife has no idea who Namor is, 
my wife studied um, Mesoamerican, some Mesoamerican um, history uh, back in college. And so she's very well adept with with a lot of the um, the mythology of it. And then I said, oh, yeah, they called them like there's a scene where it's like, you know, uh, uh, Mumbaku says the the Kukukan is the feathered, you know, the feathered serpent. Serpent, serpent god, yeah. And she was like, oh, yeah, you know, and then she quickly like had to just review things on Wikipedia. Oh, they're talking about uh, yeah, real, real uh, Quetzalcoatl, right? Yeah. yeah, you know, Quetzalcoatl, whatever it's called. And uh, which goes to show you um, how... Kugler does his homework. Yeah. You know, whether you, you whether you, we liked it, whether we think it fits or not, he does his homework, you know. Um, that goes to show that he the has, production he's an intelligent director. Yeah, right. the development of the world here is, is, is spot on. If you were a fan of Wakanda in the first film, they, he gives you a lot of it, um, uh, you know, fills out like, like we were having this discussion about like, uh, okay, like, you know, they get attacked and it's like, we got to move the capital and like, mm. they're so technologically what? advanced. They can just <laughs> literally like, yeah, we're just going to lift the buildings. We're going to put them over here. Cause that's what we do. Cause we're Wakanda. <laughs> <laughs> we're pretty freaking cool. Um, yeah, there Kugler is, his acumen is on display. It's he's, he's really good, but from that moment of like, this is what this movie is going to be about. It's the death of T'Challa and, and its reverberations. And the way and things all, are, just the interaction things. of things is like, we got to go here. We got to do this. We got to go there and do this. We, gotta, we have to have, you know, inserts of like MCU connective tissue yeah, things Yeah, you know, characters. Martin Freeman's character. And then, you know, Valentino and then also the type of story that like, it's like you could, if you were, this story was this Front loading it with it being about T'Challa meant that I think when humor or some of the other lighter elements did, it butted up against it in a way that I wasn't so sure. And then the other part is this is a long movie. Uh, yeah, I forget how much a long clock is like two and a half it's hours two, close. Yeah, it's right? over two hours. It's, it, it's, is, it is it's long. It's a long movie. And because of that and because it's so somber, it can seem that it's sluggish sometimes. Um, the elements that are in there, I think that they want to offset that one big one doesn't quite work, which is the casting and the whole character of Riri, um, Ironheart in this, which I've said she's was, not was terrible, a, yeah, but she's, I, they want her, she needed to blow the doors off mm -hmm. and be really interesting and entertaining. And I don't think she was, I think she was kind of like. I don't know what they were doing with the writing and the presentation. Well, of that so character. so uh, it, within the plot of it, you know, the the whole concern and that she Namor's is the MacGuffin. She's a MacGuffin, right? She the worry is here is a someone who's really smart who develops a way to detect vibranium. Vibranium at this point has become a a, a point hot of tension. Button. Yeah, hot button issue in the world. In the world, be right because you know uh, other countries um, are now that. T'Challa's dead. Hey, let's go see how we can steal this stuff from Wakanda, right? And uh, but wait, you know, there's the here's one one person who's managed to build this uh, vibranium detector. Not only is it like you know has gotten the world kind of up in arms about that, but it's also uh, Namor who happens to run. Uh, uh, a, he had a, a civilization who's been around for centuries. And his people have vibranium, and he's all like, "Yo, if you can detect vibranium, you're gonna come after us at some point." And he has this sort of like, you know, if if Black Panther and Wakanda are, especially in that first film, mm. are commentary 
on questions of um, colonization and resource, yeah. you know, stealing and such of, you know, in the old world, then, then Namor and his people are talking about that in the new world. Yeah. Now, in South America, Central America, North America, what happened to the natives there. And he has good reason, you know. I love does, that. I love that. He angle. has good reasons to that be angle. who he is right. and think how he thinks. Yeah. He his main goal is to protect his people because of what he witnessed of um, what they did to his family, mm-hmm. right? You know, and now he's got he's you know, got. It's people not just re- it's it's the fact that we had you know in during the colonization era it wasn't just something you know of intentions. It's the fact that like literally disease. Mm, yeah. Was, could wipe out whole communities and how would people feel about that? The fact it's like, look, they're raping and killing us mm. and now just they're just walking around. Isn't It would make someone paranoid or make someone fearful or make someone angry, all of those things. And they have that in Namor's character. I do, I do, I will give a plus to the performer who plays Normal, Namor. I liked his introduction and I liked certain aspects that they were doing with him that I think totally fit if you were going to do live action anymore, he wasn't quite what I wanted. He wasn't quite in focus, but there were those moments. Of, I think the biggest thing is the idea that Namor has a charm, that there is something about him that can be uh, disarming in his arrogance. Confidence can be sexy. Confidence can be um, interesting in a person. And because Namor is nothing but arrogance and confidence, you know, they introduce him, you know, meeting Queen Ramona, and he is just oozing both menace, but also masculinity, a, a masculine charm, and able and, to know, walk right up to her nose charisma, and say, yeah. "Like you know, if you tell the world about us, right? Yeah, I'm going. We're gonna. I'm gonna kill you and your family, and, and your family. And, and it's like, oh wow, you know, it's like now here's and the thing. that's why that's with those moments where he worked as Namor because that's Namor. Mm-hmm. Namor can be have this turn on a dime. He can be. Um, a, a figure of charm and romance, and then the next be like, and I will burn your cities to the ground. We're beginning to see on the internet now, like, you know, look, there was a scene where he, uh, Namor and um, and Shuri are having this moment. They're, they're sort of like, okay, let's talk, you know? And I'm like, are they building up to like a and romance? I would, I, would I, I honestly think that that was a good, that I would have wanted way more of that movie. Mm. As I said- if you cut out stuff that sort of butts up against the themes or just isn't quite as well. And that is a lot of, like I could say studio kind of stuff. Like yeah. I did, did, did Kugler absolutely want Julie Louise Dreyfus and Martin Freeman in his movie? I don't know. I don't think he would because given how everything else he's given focus to. Yeah. So if you cut that stuff out, then yes, give me more of Namor and Shuri having a, maybe a real moment. Um, I will say I did like the idea again that that's why there's some of this that worked with Namor with me because it's like okay this is what the same sort of thing he is in the Fantastic Four he's a th- he can be an ally he can be a threat and he is a romantic sort of like thing for Sue Storm and here was the same thing there was this idea of like ah oh, I mean sure he's a Sure is a grown woman, like as yeah, as yeah. Mbaku says, with the experience she's already gone through in life. Even though she's young, she's no girl. Yeah, and as she is no girl, yeah, Namor is. 
He's walking around with nothing but the loincloth. He's like, he's, he's dripping he's, in Latino energy. He's going over like the artwork, like, you know, my people have said this and that. Right, yeah. And she's oh, just, she's just looking at there. the, he's just looking at the biceps <laughs> and like, like, look at the lines on that, man. And then, and then one, one bakes asked, like, how would the, like, we're well, moving on forward as we move on to the phases. Can we see um, Technoch? I can't pronounce his name properly, right? You know, Horta. Is he? How how would they, he be with Sue Richards? Like, even though I wasn't listen, crazy about yeah. him, and I do like I think it would have been better maybe someone else. I at the end of it is like this: we are delivering. This is going to be MCU Namor. Yeah. I don't hate it. I could see him being, like I said, I could see him interacting with Sue Storm. I could see him interacting with the Avengers. I could see him. I think that maybe some of the writing and some of his performance just needs just a little more it, focusing it tweaked in. Tweaked a bit more. Tweaked a bit, but it, yeah, that worked. Again, one of those things. But now, now, what it, a, now there are also downsides. My issue with the Atlantean people in this has that, you know, for I forget what they're called. I forget the land. Uh, Talokan. They're Talokani, I believe. Talokanese. Okay, right. the Talokanese in this. There's a vagueness of like what is <laughs> going go. on with them. Because it's I don't like it's, you, by the way, but yeah. Because it's like, okay, look, well, look, it's like um you have to establish them, you know, in the context of what Wakanda is, right? And what they presented Wakanda as. And, you know, Ramona, they have it in the movie. Ramona, I am the I am the leader of the most powerful nation on the planet right now, right? Okay. So any threat to them must be presented in a similar fashion. And outside of them saying, hey, we've got vibranium too. And hey, the, tr the, the process that made us able to live underwater increased us physically. And okay, hey, Namor, he's a powerhouse of, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, giantly. He's Hulk level. He can fly. He's invulnerable. All this other stuff. Okay. Those are all pluses. But Wakanda was still presented as this overpowering technological force and unfortunately maybe going so far into the mesoamerican indian thing they felt well they need to feel more nature-based or something and so you see them use whales you see them use like certain power stuff but not technology they have this siren they're, singing they're thing. like they're like the navi you know in in, in avatar you know like they are very much like the navi organic based type of devices you know like yeah, again using nature you know what i yeah, mean yeah. but the problem is is that when you establish the wakandas is so overwhelmingly technologically advanced it's a hard thing to say like okay i guess they're strong i guess they got like vibranium spears like the dormilage I don't see them. And then that you get into like, well, then explain this if you're not showing these, them having this technology in other ways. Yeah. Namor, I've been alive since the 1600s. And oh, yeah, I made a son. You with the vibranium. Yeah. It's like, it's like yeah, with vib just made a vibranium son. Uh, you know, like, again, how do they flood the capital of Wakanda? They don't show them as like, oh, we can control water or something. It's kind of like just what there. was what was the um in Endgame, what did Okoye say to 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 Natasha? It's like, you know, like uh, um well what are we gonna do about that um volcano eruption in the in the middle of the ocean? Is that like there was a Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah, like yeah. not we don't do anything. It's a it's you an know? eruption, right? Yeah, so it's like uh, but again like they're See now, I I don't necessarily feel the way you do. Um, I just feel I just I I just said this. They're 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 way more 
believable compared to what they did in Aquaman. Aquaman, it's like, hey, here's here's a ship. Let's just put fins on it because to make it you know to make it look fish based. I think, I think, you know, uh, again, they. I think the. I think the mandate was we want them to be more in line with nature to for mm-hmm. ex, for their explanation for some things. And I do, I'm sorry. I think the better play would have been to like, yeah, we, we, if we can make a sun, Ed, we can make super cool (laughs) tech stuff that could make it seem like they could fight the Wakandans and win. Because outside of them being strong, you know, what you saw, look, Ed, let me put it this way. Did Namor's people come off as more threatening then say all of Thanos's forces in Infinity War that the Wakandans fought against. I would say no. They did not come as as destructive as powerful. You look at Infinity War and you're like, yeah, you would have to be super space, you know, you they, know, they, you know, uh, advanced, uh, you know, alien types to take on Wakanda. And since they don't come across that way, the their threat is lessened immensely. Uh, no, you I get to, to I get question look, why they, they would be. There you know. were there were moments I'm watching and I'm like, you know, look, uh, till this day I go, the Wakandan military. First off, what is that? It's like you know these guys with blankets, right? They fight with blankets and spears, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And uh, compared to like, let's let's right, look, but they also have, military. but they also have these these weird hovercraft ships. And that is a thing, like they're and laser guns, the technology, and, you know, and the Shuri is shooting sonic blasts out of her hands. I mean, come on, like again, yeah, I they know. Did not, if they did not present Namor's people as being able to handle that. And yet they made oh, what they, the only I thing will they say made this, was like, we're really strong. The siren songs that they use. Right. I was like, holy cow. Like, like the, I was a little haunted by, 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 by those yeah, scenes. Yeah, a great idea. A you great know? idea. You know, I, as I'm saying, you have to, you, again, you're presented with, hey, Wakanda is so overwhelmingly powerful. How do we make this other force? So doing things like that. Oh, hey, um, they're supposed to be like the Atlanteans, the mermaids and stuff. Let's work with the siren song. That's cool. That's, but you have to come up with, again, why they would be a real threat. And I don't know if they accomplished that. And that, and maybe oh. that's fanboy niggling. Because they just do it. It's not. I'm not saying that they they don't accomplish it because they don't accomplish it in the movie. They don't accomplish it for my sakes narratively, but they are presented as a threat. They, you know, they're they they've got them in a last stand at the end. You know, in 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 the last you know third of the film. And of course, as you said, uh, when you had seen it, you said be prepared for that Namor versus Shuri fight because it's pretty rough as in terms as well. So they are given. They're due. I'm saying that the the justification for it is not necessarily there on screen. At the same time, I'm also open to the idea that look, is that what this movie is about? No, this movie is not about my pedantic fanboy right, nonsense. Right. <laughs> it's about the the characters and the and the film. So small demerit on that, but not as big as it could be. I think more demerits are that because of that sort of like that fatty stuff. Some of the you know that that's in it. And some of these ideas needed maybe a little more. It doesn't MC, reach the heights it should. MCU, uh, 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 the MCU uh, effect on things. You're like, you know, it's like, okay. Um, Mambaku said it straight up. Like, you know, like Kukulkan has the strength of almost like, in Hulk, like a Hulk. 
And here he gets punched in the chest yes. by Namor. And well, like, you said, you were like, you you were saying, it was like, oh, with, are you, who are you that you, and I was like, like, you're supposed to be this powerful warrior. And it was like, yeah, that's why he's got to say, he's like the Hulk. It's like, it's like, cause he had, even though he had armor, it's like, he's got to, he's got to like, Mbaku, you're the toughest guy. Yeah, you're the same, hey, man. Yo, this guy's fucking strength of the Hulk, man. What so, you like, and then on top of that, it's like, you know, like, like before you saw it, you're like, so do they do the whole vat of a vat of alcohol thing? Like, no, they do the, they, they basically, the heat know, lamp, they, which is from that same episode. They trap him. And then of course it's like, they use the heat lamps to evaporate that stuff. Like it's no different than like, Hey, uh, in Ragnarok, we have these little devices that we're going to throw on Thor's neck that can, that yeah, can yeah, manipulate that, you. Yeah, right. Exactly, you know? Yeah. And it's like, wait, no, no, how does no, this but, work? Yeah, they, but they, okay, pulling for the film, they, you know, it's a standard sort of Namor thing. If you know the character, yeah. you're, you're, oh, that's a kryptonite for him. You know, when is that going to come into play? Uh, like, again, Kugler does handle so much in this film and there are entertaining parts. There's, but the missteps are pretty strong. Like I said, Riri Williams not being as interesting, as compelling as she could be, I yeah. think is a big misstep. The fact I, that I feel that like, those, those, those things, whether it's, um, sword, like, uh, De La Fontaine, Martin Freeman being in it, Riri Williams. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's, that's production notes. Could have been cut out. Not, yeah. not important to the story. Kugler wants to tell obviously yeah, yeah. about the death. And then there are these other parts where you go like, okay, here is what's working. So give me more of that. As I said, I don't think Shuri and Riri really worked, but I think Okoye and Shuri on screen really, really worked. And there could have been like, give me more of that. Give me more of, you know, given that so much of one of the accolades, and I think rightly so, is that, you know, you can be 30 minutes in this movie and realize I have not seen a white or male character as the focus in so long. So I get like, like, you know, so much being done with Shuri and her mother and Okoye, but like, look, um, give me more M'Baku. Winston Duke is immediate every time that guy is on screen He'll in this suck part, the oxygen with he his just, performance. He makes his performance and the character like yeah. the like. He is not only having a ball performing this character. I have no doubt it's that also Kugler very... is having a fun time creating and writing for this character because he comes in, he owns every scene, and every time he's on, you go, "Give me more of that." Yeah, I don't give a crap about Julie Louise Dreyfus. The one give character that Maku. is so um, he's intimidating, right? Just just by the fact that if if he if Mambaku was standing right in front of you right now, you'd be like. My dick would shrivel up, right? <laughs> okay, but, but here, more but here, than anyone needs, Ed. No, but well, yes, I can't. Especially you... coming from an Asian, <laughs> right? So, but now... yes, but yes, you're right. He is like you see, like he's bigger than Winston. Like Winston Duke's a big guy, but you see him in interviews and stuff, and he's uh, he's yeah, he's yeah. a guy. But Mbaku is bigger than life with the you know just how he holds himself and everything, and because of that, he's a compelling character, and they do good things with him in this movie, subtle things. But good stuff where they moved his character forward to the point where you get to the end of the movie and you're like, I'm unsure what happens at the end. Is it is like they're saying Mbaku becomes king? I that's a post credit thing, right? You know, like not not even a post credit thing. It's but like, yeah, it's like but but they moved going to challenge. They made, this yeah. they made this character who was an interesting and compelling and charismatic character in the first film. And they do a wonderful thing where he is matured. Mm. He's still outrageous. Yes. 
But he, as a person, you can see him like you would think, as I said, I told you in the conversation, says, you're like, wow, you think Mbaku would be taking the Killmonger side on this. Nope. The and instead, he is Complete more opposite. and more grappling with responsibility and grappling with like good judgment. So you like, again, plot like, wise, plot wise, he's the one who, look, uh, over, uh, the overall theme to this movie is. It's a revenge story. It's 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 well, Shiri's re- revenge story. It's revenge and Mbaku is telling is the one who also, says that revenge will lead to war. Yeah. And are you you know and and Baku's whole thing is it's interesting. He starts out when it's like, hey yo, we got invaded by a fishman last night, and he was right. We fucking killed that guy. Yeah. And then later on, he shows again maturity because he's like he's willing to change and not willing to change in a, in a necessarily. It's like the practical. He's like he's he says we should kill this guy. And then they're like, okay, well, we got to go to war and kill them. And he's like, no, we shouldn't. Because hmm. this guy, we're, you know, as crazy fantasy world as we are <laughs> with our, you know, he's like, they look at him as a god. Yeah. And if we were to kill him, we basically would be putting us, uh, uh, there would be a jihad. There would be, his people would be in a holy war against us. And that's the future we're, we're, the, we're writing for both the, of our people. The, He's, the writing there is so good. He is subtly becomes this really important figure in Wakanda. Because once we, you know, Angela, especially in the Wakandan council, right? Which he becomes the new, like an important voice of new leadership and he wears it well. He's surrounded by the guy with the big disc on his lip, the the old lady, you know, we've we've seen them before. Everyone's like, no, we need to strike. And he's he's this counselor for Shuri. Yeah. He's this great voice. And like, you know, like there was even, there was even a moment I was like, is he trying to put the moves on Shuri? And it was like, no, he just wants to be a good voice. Mm. Just uh, because I, we live in the mountains doesn't mean we don't read books. <laughs> that's a line, and that's an actual line from the, from the movie. So um, there is definitely stuff, like I said, that this movie, overall, however, overall, do I think that it holds together well as a movie? I think barely. I, I think it does. I think it doesn't reach the heights it needs to. It doesn't implode. Yeah, it's not. It's not horrible it's, and terrible, and you go like a. But it does come out kind of going like it's missing something. It needed to be shoveled or or well, look, let's, down let's, or some stuff rethought. The overall theme of it is it's Coogler's, you know, attempt at um, a Disney princess movie, but he's turning it on its head. Right? A, but as a superhero, as, film. A, as a superhero film. And it is a tale. It is a Sherry movie. Very Sherry centric movie. You, which could, again, uh, you absolutely li- could see this as an animated film. Changing that sim- scene, similar things, as you said, just sub out dead brother for dead father. And it would yeah. totally be Here a Disney product of again, like 1996. All, trying to wrap this idea that, no, we, we need this movie is all about mourning the death of someone who is important to us. And for for Shiri is her brother, the central character of this whole entire franchise gone. Right. And uh, and I'll say this, like Letitia Wright, you know, who really didn't have an impact for me in the first movie. And even with the first movie, which is a good movie, I didn't think it was a great movie. Like, I, like, like but again, as you said, like, like, like she's fine in that first film here. All but she didn't own, do any of the first here film. in this, this film, the onus is completely on yeah. her because they've decided you're Black Panther. And then because of the performances, I am completely sold, right? You know, on, on the fact that here is like, she's on this Luke Skywalker path of, I'm going to enact revenge, and yet 
uh, I've come to my senses. No, we we need to find a way. When a peaceful she solution. when they did that moment where she sounds just like Bozeman did when he refused to kill Zemo. They yeah, well, it's also it's also the dream that she had, you know, where where Killmonger's in her dream, and right, it's like, wait, again. why are you here? It's like, and this is going forward. I do think that what this film did accomplished well, um, with this big catharsis, you know, that's basically what the film is. It's about a catharsis of the death of this, you know, of this man. They have a great setup of what we're gonna do when we see Wakanda mm-hmm. and you know Black Panther again in the future at some point. It's like, okay, Shuri, Shuri's circle is Okoye and M'Baku um, as this new generation of leadership in Wakanda. Um, is M'Baku going to be the king and she will take the, like, she feels, she feels more, maybe it's, she feels more to be in the role of Black Panther mm-hmm. than to be queen. Um, but that also is something that you can, is for future development. You can get her to ascend to the throne, whatever, whatever. I would not tell anyone not to see this movie. Um, and and Kugler had a choice, and he chose this vision to be of we're gonna is going to be a the catharsis over the death of one character, and all of the, what that means. Uh, and I'm going to it's going to be the slow sort of like spotlight of turning Shuri into the new Black Panther going forward. For all that, like it accomplishes what it wants to accomplish. I just don't think it necessarily it sings, reaches the heights it should, and it has a few flaws. But if you want to like feel what you felt when you saw the first Black Panther, if you are a fan of that character and what it meant to you, Coogler does accomplish a good tribute. I just think that maybe it has some uh, some uh, some shortcomings as a movie unto itself for the purposes of entertainment. You know, this again, this this movie was doomed from the beginning. And I, I really hard, feel that he, to, to, to Cooler did did what what most would not be able to do, which is like, you know, to turn tragedy and on, on top of that, like a production that was already in the works and and his main guy, like just just die. And um, and what that's going to do then, to your to your cast and crew? Like, yeah, you've you know, work and this with, is through and, their their grief. And I maybe he maybe that's why he took the approach he did, because. I'm going to have to work through these people's grief anyway. Um, I, I will say also that it's it's a very, like, I think we've already said this, it's a very female-centric movie, you know, with, uh, like, the internet's already so buzzing. So much of Angela Bassett in this movie as a supporting character. Yeah, like, the internet's already buzzing, like, oh, we, you know, she should be uh, nominated look, for look, an Oscar look, for Look, 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 if any movie's um, going to pass the Bechtel test, it might be this movie. The what test? The Bechtel test. Let's, look it up, kids. Oh, wait. Oh. <laughs> um... The the other thing is um um uh the post credit scene right so so here's the thing my 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 best friend Ian he's he saw it and then he 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 liked it yet there was a complaint which was like um wait a minute not cool for Nakia to 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 keep away the secret uh, um the secret son of T'Challa right. So much for fe- his words. So much for female empowerment, okay. for women empowerment, which is basically like, look, you know, even at the end of this movie, I'm like, wait, why is Sherry still being called the princess here? You know, she is the queen. The queen's dead. The king's dead. The throne falls on her. Why she's still the princess? Unless that's like a legal, a Wak- Wakandanese legal thing here. 
Are you saying we need to call Wakandan Jacobian Myers? Pretty much, you know. <laughs> but, but yeah, we will. <laughs> you have a case, we will take care of it. You know, <laughs> it's like uh, I don't know how how we gonna pay these bills. Maybe we should call Corbin Myers. Let's settle. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but like, so the post credit scene again. Spoiler. Um, Naki, uh, there the scene where Lupita Nyong'o's character and she, the revelation of hey. Shortly before T'Challa died, she um, well, she had already spent. She, um, well, no, no, this goes back to the, they the said, blip. Yeah, they're saying like they're given like the six years. Yeah, that this kid's been around because after the blip, remember T'Challa was one of those who who disappeared during and, the blip, and apparently that's when she was pregnant during that period of time. Mm-hmm. So this kid is you know six seven years he's old. Five, yeah, he's six five years older than this, and. And sits right next to Shuri, who has no idea who this kid is. And it's like, you know, my name is Toussaint. Wink, you know. Yeah, as I said, Kugler knows what he's Kugler doing. Kugler knows what he's doing, you know, the the Washington the Washington of 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 the Haitian people. Um But my Wakandan name is T'Challa. Is T'Challa, you know. Black Panther will return, you know. And again, like Ian's like, well, so much for female empowerment because I can see Shuri. why some people can feel that that might be a betrayal because it is. It's like, oh, well, all of this is not about her. She's still in the service of creating and supporting another male character that, okay, she's just um, she's just keeping it warm for the son of the main guy's character. Meanwhile, like I hand. thought legitimacy came when she dropped from, from the, uh, out when of the she ship. Did, when she did And did her, the Dylan thing yes, with Yes, she did the Mbaku. Predator. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Carl Weathers move. And it was, it was just like, yo, she, yeah, she's, you know, no, no offense. She's the man. She's the man now. I thought that was legitimacy right there because if you are the black, if you take up the mantle of the Black Panther. Right, yeah, but I, I can, can see some of because even you and I were like, it's like, it's kind of suspicious that we've got this kid now and giving that time travel is going to be a part of stuff going forward and that we've seen, again, as comic book fans, you and I, this sort of stuff happening before. Um, the, It's sort of the reverse, um, what's uh, what's uh, Richie, what's Richie Cunningham's brother's name? Uh, uh, Scott? Sk- S- Spike? I think it's Scott. Scott's, whatever the case was. Scott Cunningham. He goes well, upstairs. It. He goes upstairs and we never hear about him. Well, there's this other power that stairs have. It's like, um, I used to watch a lot of uh, of soap operas with my grandmother. And, you know, one of the things about them is like, oh, hey, they'll have some it couple and they'll have a kid, right? And so like, they get married, they have a kid. They have the kid. The kid is, you know, starts out, it's like two years old, right? Like, this is all within like a span of like two or three years. Oh, the kid's a baby. You do some baby stories. Then they go upstairs. Well, that's. And they come down and they're eight, they're 16 years old and you can get them into that, high school. That, that's and it's like, they were born like four years that, that's ago. That's what happened with the, uh, with Growing Pains with the Seaver family, right? It's like, you know, oh, they got to be, uh, um, uh, Alan Thicke and, you know, they, they have another baby. And then like next season, wow, she's already six. Right. Yeah. It's like, know? it's like, so look, that, you know, to a degree, that's kind of, you know, I can see something just in introducing that character, saying, here's T'Challa, we're going to call him T'Challa, he's T'Challa Jr., T'Challa the second, whatever it is. So, yeah, but uh, overall, see, the thing is, the, the I don't think it betray, that betrays it, and it is overall the story of Shuri and the women of Wakanda with M'Baku in tow, <laughs> sort of with sort of dealing with the fallout of of T'Challa's death, and um, again, I don't think it sings, but I do think that 
there's a lot of worthy stuff in this film. And I would not tell anyone not to see it. I just don't think the expectations um, I don't are know. necessarily like, where I, it is. There's there's parts of it and big swaths of it where it is much better than the first film. It is a much more assured movie than the first film. I feel I don't know if it holds together as well as the I first feel film. because it is so haunting because of a what it really what it is. It's a it's a funeral movie, right? You know, um, there's so many things like so chock full of things in here. I feel like I need to rewatch this movie over. Uh, mm. This is going to be one of those movies where I'm just going to continue watching for the rest of my life, mm. uh, just to pull apart until. Uh, well, obviously, we'll get more. I don't reveal. know. I mean, like again, I do think it is like to find an angle that works might take a bit. Look, like the, um, to, to have that little sort of details, like um, how Namor, who in in Spanish, I guess you can say nomad. I can't, right? I can't tell you how much I thought that that like I, at first I was kind of like no, and then I was like, no, that's fire. At first I was kind of right, like, right. I was, first I yeah, was kind of like, yeah. I was kind of like, so oh, they're coming up with something because it doesn't make any sense. And then I was kind of like, so Jonathan, yeah, that that yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't see it, but like the the, the character name Namor. Namor is name. a is a nonsense name made right. up when he was created. And then right? they and then a Kugler finds a way to explain how he got his name. So during the days of of, colon, of Spanish colonialism, when the Mesoamericans, you know, the people who are the Atlanteans here are were they're making them that they were um, Mesoamerican Indian types who were w- wiped out by smallpox and the Spaniards when they came. And then in in the midst of the, the uh, of of Namor just just going to town on the colonizers, there's a priest who's dying. And says that, and says you have you know, no love in you. Or you have like, no, no love, more, therefore not no more. And no you more. go, and so I took that name. And took it. There would be no love in my heart, and, no love. And I was just like you. I'm like at first I was like this is, and then I was like that shit. No, fire. that's that fire. shit's. That shit's <laughs> that I was first I was like really this is. is bullshit. And then I was like no, that's Loki. Wow, fire. that's Loki fire. Okay, <laughs> because then, and the, but see that's the thing with this movie. It is. There's stuff that is like that hits. It's so well done. It's this is how this should be. And it deserves praise because it's doing it with a cast and with characters you don't normally see being done with this. And we finally get an explanation of what really happens to Dr. Emil Hamilton from Man of Steel. <sighs> yeah. Totally he didn't cool. die. Well, again, again, see, this is my, my surprise when he was just like, the president wants this and that in Wakanda. I was like, that doesn't sound like Jedediah Bartlett. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to vote for President Bartlett next time, given how he's treated in <laughs> He didn't die in the Phantom Zone. He somehow landed in Congress. Uh, so, yeah, uh, you know, yeah, closing it again, just closing it up. It is, it's like, my take is, go see this movie. Um, it will give you a lot if you are a fan of this character and this world. I'm not sure if it holds up together. And you yourself also have like a- No, go think, see this movie you because- You think that you should see it and it's something worth grappling with, but I think you're, even you are like- If you're a fanboy, go see this movie. Yeah, it'll more give you of the sequences. story. More of the story? Kill Whitey. <laughs> okay. All right. I did, you, you went there, not More of the story. And on that note, uh, that'll be the last message that we give here on this episode. Ever. <laughs> Kill Whitey. Um, <laughs> sacrifice everything for the revolution. Uh, I, I, uh, one more thing. Um, I, I watched this concurrently. Fight the empire. Fight the empire. <laughs> You know, kill Whitey. And on that note, uh, until next time. No, 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 no. no. To be continued. I'm not done. (laughs) Hey, thanks for listening to To Be Continued, the Fanboy Podcast. Thanks, Clark. 
Please also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and also our various platforms, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and Google Podcasts.